1: All right. Hey, hey. Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen, to another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I'm your host, John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette Newspapers and Baltimore Sun, and Chris Cervello is our producer. We have just had a pretty tough weekend, ladies and gentlemen, and WAGS, I'll lead it to you first. Your article in the uh, Capital Gazette talked about how mental errors, turnovers, and issues, the same things we see all the time in our losses, so to speak, led to a loss. I know that you and Keenan are going to break it down in more detail here in a second, but let's start the podcast with a really quick breakdown of how we lost 38-20 to to Houston, a Houston team that I thought we had a chance to beat. Wags, over to you.
2: Well, let's first of all give Houston credit. Houston was picked was the preseason pick to win the American athletic conference. And there's a reason for that. They're talented. Clayton tune is a, an outstanding quarterback. Nathaniel Dell, as we mentioned is a, probably an NFL wide receiver. And he's certainly one of the best in the American athletic conference. So they've, they've got outstanding talent. They've also got, you know, NFL caliber talent on the defensive side, but that said, as well as Houston played on both in all phases, that's how poorly Navy played in all three phases. And it's, Everyone had their turn. There was defense, gave up long drives to start the game, and that's part of why Navy fell behind. Uh, The offense, there was an interception that was brought back into Navy territory, actually gave Houston a short field. That hurt. Uh, There would wind up being two interceptions, both of which were returned deep into Navy territory and led directly to touchdowns. There was a blocked field goal, a missed field goal. I mean, you just add it all up, and it's, it's not winning football. The margin of error for Navy is, is small, and you can't beat yourself. And in this instance, I, I Houston did what it had to win the game, but Navy beat itself, John. That's all
1: I'll say. So, Chris Cervello, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. I, I had the same feeling that WAGS did and that it was mostly I – don't, I I don't know if I can characterize it as anything more than just disappointment right now in that the team – seems to have all of these opportunities and they are playing teams that are gettable. And I know that this Houston team was gettable this week. And yet you saw a style of football that to Wags's point, kept creating mistakes, kept frustrating the fan base and all of a sudden inside of Navy Marine Corps stadium, Chris, and I know you, that you weren't there, but I know that you could feel it. You've just got a very palpable feeling of frustration and and I think Wags and I share the same thing that you do. And you're, you're a grad. How frustrated are you with this? I think frustration is probably the right word.
0: Because I think we do have the talent. I, I really do. I, I think that, um, you know, we, we said what last week, what's it going to take for them to, you know, beat Houston and get on a run? And it was for them to play a complete game. And I just didn't think they played a complete game again th- this week. I mean, yeah, Houston's a talented team, but... Think that we definitely could have beat them. I, I, I really believe that, and uh, I, I think that I share the frustration of people that reach out to us and, and question the product that they're seeing on the field right now. Um, you know, question how the offense and the defense are, are are being run the last two weeks, and just you know wonder out loud: Is this where Navy football has you know has come to? It's hard to tell people that, you know, hey, next week or next year, it's going to be different when they're not really seeing that. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to go on too much about it. I mean, it's a tough loss and hopefully we bounce back and beat a again, a very gettable temple team. But
1: uh, this one stings still. So Wags, I'll, I'll let you finish this off before you and and the boys you know, break it down in more detail in the Navy Football podcast, but I thought that your article today was was very relevant in that it said, "Hey, other than Temple, the chances of getting a winning season from here are very, very you know, slight. You've got to go to Cincinnati. They are six and one and really looking good. You've got to go to UCF, and you, me, and Chris Traveller are going to be at that game. Can't wait for that. They are five and one." Uh, and in between there, you've got to play a very, very good Notre Dame game um, right there in Baltimore. So Temple next week almost becomes your last chance for a guaranteed victory other than Army. W- Wags, what are your thoughts? You know, are, is this where you thought they would be? I don't think this is where you thought they would be. I, I kind of thought this was where they would be. And next week is a great chance to turn frowns upside down against Temple. But after that, you could really lose your last four. No, the fact of the matter is, if this is a losing season, four out of five,
2: that's not a good trend. Um, I mean, there's larger issues that we could be on here for an hour talking about. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, the talent on the roster at this time is not what it needs to be to win in the American Athletic Conference. But to your question, John, got to beat Temple. First of all, it's going to be senior day. Got to send the seniors out right. And you're right. That, uh, of all the teams remaining on the schedule, that's the one that you feel like if you can't beat Temple, you're really in trouble. And then, of course, there's Army. But if you beat Temple and Army, you're still looking at the possibility of four and eight. And Navy will be a major underdog against Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and Central Florida. That's all there is to it. I, I know Navy can beat those teams, they almost beat Cincinnati last year. They beat Central Florida last year. So I know it's possible, but, you know, let's just be honest and say it's going to be hard. And, you know, it, a winning season is is going to be
1: very tough to get at this point. Agreed. And I think that the, you know, I'll, I'll put a nail in the coffin here, ladies and gentlemen. It, it was just a sense of disappointment um, knowing that, There's only one home game left and that'll be a big home game. That'll be homecoming against Temple. And then you've got a quasi home game next week against Notre Dame. So we'll see what happens there. Um, But I I don't know. Uh, Chris and Wags, I've got this feeling right now, like this could have been so much better and Ty and the rest of the guys seem to have so much buy-in into this. And yet the results are not there and it's frustrating. So We'll see what happens. You know, quick turnaround. Let's get Colin Schofield and the boys down here for the Temple game on Saturday and see what happens. But right now, this team is struggling. Um, let's talk about teams struggling. And I, I'll be very blunt. Karen Gabera and I exchanged some texts over the weekend. This was a very hard loss uh, on Friday night at 5 p.m. against Holy Cross, a Holy Cross team that's at the bottom of the standings. Navy drops one two nil to Holy Cross. They were dominated in the first half, really dominated in the second half. Karen told me in straight up, straight up truth. She's like, "Hey, I am trying to turn this around uh, right now. They've got a Lafayette game middle of the week to to win, and if they win it, yeah, they they go to the Patriot League tournament, albeit probably as a six seed, maybe as a five seed, but for now." Women's soccer dropping a tough one to Holy Cross 2-0 at the beginning of the weekend puts us really behind the power curve. Chris, and then over to Wags, what are your thoughts on this? Because again, I'll keep coming back to the fact that despite Sophie Ewing's ACL, despite all the turnover, despite Vicky Tran leaving, this is a team with Alexa Riddle and Graziano and the rest of these guys coming back that I thought would make an impact and it didn't happen.
2: Yeah, John, that's a very disappointing loss. And the fact of it is, there is clearly something wrong with Navy women's soccer. And the results show it. This team is underachieving. And I think if you ask the players or the coaches, they would admit that. And, you know, the good news is Navy is currently still in the Patriot League tournament, barely. But uh, And if you're in the tournament, you have a chance in the postseason to turn things all around. But this team has to start playing better soccer, John. And, I mean, you were there on Friday night. I mean, any thoughts as to what's
1: missing? It's really just the explosiveness, Wags. Like, it's the finishing between the midfield and the front line. And, and again, I played soccer growing up. Um, the, the absence of electricity between the center mid position and the forwards is really what's killing them. And it's hard. It's hard watching a program that's this accomplished. And I'll put a call out to Czech Chuck right now. Please stick with them. Please stick with Karen and Rob and and this effort to get these guys to the next level. I have rarely seen this struggle. and, And this is not necessarily odd for collegiate teams these days to have this lack of chemistry particularly coming out of COVID, but man, I'm telling you, this this was a really, really, really hard one to watch because this was such a bad team. You know, Holy Cross was a team that you had to get over on in order to go to the next level and and they didn't do it. Let's see what happens midweek against Lafayette. If they beat Lafayette, they're in the tournament. So let's just worry about that. Um, Speaking of teams that, Really had a tough weekend. Water Polo lost two. They lost to Wagner um, on Saturday morning, thirteen to eleven. Then they turned around and lost to the number one seed in the uh, Mid Atlantic Water Polo Conference, Fordham, number seventeen overall. They lost to them 14-7. Louis Nicolau was very upset about that. Understandable, tough results. Let's talk about volleyball. Volleyball got swept on Friday. I gave you the Instagram live on Saturday and Chris, I'll throw it over to you for this. Getting swept by Army was not on the dance card for them at the beginning of the year, but they turned around, swept a very beatable Holy Cross team in order to turn frowns upside down. Going forward, how disturbing is the sweep to Army in volleyball, or is this just an aberration and they're a very good team and Army just happens to be a bad matchup? I'd like to think it's the latter, John, that they're just, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they're, they're not
0: matched up well against Army because, um, as you said, it was nice to see them come back and, and win, you know, after losing that, that tough game to Army. Uh, you know, we, we counted this team out early, um, and then they went on a run, and they've got to figure out how to harness the electricity and the excitement that that is the team. And, and you know, as they go down the stretch – um, figure figure out how to win those tough games, but uh, I think if they get hot again, that they,
2: they uh, you, you
0: know there's going to be no stopping them.
2: Hey John, I'll just say one thing. I had a freelancer David Ossielo over there to cover that Army Navy volleyball game, and I edited the story first thing Saturday morning, and I was really surprised at the end of the story. Paco Labrador flat out said Army is the better
1: team right now. That's quite a statement. And And I don't know if we ever want to make that statement, right? Like, and this has happened a lot this year. We were all drunk on the Kool-Aid, like it was Jonestown. We were drunk on the Kool-Aid of last year. We only lost four uh, star matches. We were killing them. We were about to make t-shirts. And then all of a sudden, as it often comes to pass in Service Academy athletic um, engagements, you know, it, it evens out and they're starting to come back on us. That That's unfortunate. But on on this one, we lost the star match and, and that made sense. You know, they, we were kind of in a in a trough in terms of accomplishment on the volleyball side. But then they got hot and, and they welcome Army in here. And to start out the way they did, I gave an Instagram live when we were down 10-1. 10-1 in the opening set. It just didn't make sense. They came back, won the next two sets. I thought everything was going to be good, and then it was not. Uh, they lost the last two sets, and, and they lose that 3-2. Let's hope that the next time we see Army is in the Patriot League tournament, and we're done from there. Hey, let's finish this out by talking about men's soccer, WAGs. Uh, freshman forward, AJ shoots scored his first collegiate goal to help Navy men's soccer pick up another very big point in the Patriot league. They got a one, one draw against Holy cross where the women could not do that. That moves them to three, four, three and seven overall two, one and four in league games. Let's see where they go from here. They have two more left. They got a mid week game up at Villanova. Everyone knows how tough Villanova is in all capacities. But two more games to move up the standings. Men's soccer, I think, Wags, is definitely looking like they're turning it around. And now they're getting contributions from freshmen.
2: Yeah, very good to see.
1: Uh, You know, I'd rather have a win than a draw, but
2: uh, it's a point. And right now, John, Navy stands in fifth place. Uh, Navy can finish no higher than second, as you mentioned. Uh, Navy is, uh, they tied Colgate and tied Boston in those. Those are two teams ahead of them in the table. Uh, right now, Army 5-1-1 one, one within the league is the top seed. Then Boston 3-1-3, three. American 3-2-2, three, two, two. Colgate 2-1-4, two, and, and Navy 2-1-4. But And you have a tie with Colgate. So uh, men still have some work to do. I'd like to see them get a little higher than five.
1: Yeah, let's see what happens there. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, let's finish this out before uh, Wags, Keenan, break this down. Men's and women's swimming and diving finished off a great weekend. They beat UMBC. They swept them on Saturday after a great result on Friday. Again, many congratulations to Sprint Football for beating Penn 42-14 on Friday as well. Um, and again, men swimming and diving had beaten George Washington the weekend before men's and women's rugby. You want to talk about a great weekend in Blacksburg and there aren't great weekends in Blacksburg, although, you know, with the, uh, with the autumn approaching, I'm sure the leaves are good, but men's and women's rugby both went down to Blacksburg and smoked the Virginia tech Hokies hats off to them. Uh, we'll see what happens when they go forward from here, but Hey, that is the weekend wrap for me. I'm really, really, really watching for the next week here, men's and women's soccer. Again, I think the women have a great opportunity to make the tournament and be a dark horse, possibly as a six seed. Uh, another tough weekend for water polo. We'll see how Louie turns them around. I talked to Jason Salato over the weekend. Class of 94 grad coming in. Um, you know, connecting back with the players, but, but he knows like, this is a tough, tough time for them. They've got Hopkins coming up and a lot of tough road games. Let's see what Louie Nicolau and water polo can do. And then, yeah, let's see, you know, Navy football coming up against Temple this coming weekend. We're going to talk to former wide receiver, George Jameson. We're also going to talk to Bill Byrne, the former commandant of midshipmen and recently retired admiral we're going to talk to him so wags i know that you guys are going to break down football break down this part of the podcast where do we need to go from here in order for these teams to get better results because right now between soccer and water polo i'm kind of concerned
2: just need to stay the course john that's all you can do keep trying to get better day by day i know it's coaching talk it's Cliche, but you got to believe that you're better than you've shown and that you're going to hit your stride and play to the level you're capable. Um, one thing I want to mention real quick before we switch to the Navy football postgame report uh, got a call from Navy varsity offshore sailing coach John Jahansky as he came off the water this evening and Navy did not win the prestigious Millen Cup. URI, Rhode Island. We hate those Rhode Islanders. They came into Annapolis and sailing on Navy 44s. That's the platform that Navy trains on every day. Um, URI got the victory and Merchant Marine Academy was actually runner up. So Navy finished third, but John Tahansky made sure to tell me that the real big competition for offshore sailing, collegiate offshore sailing is the Kennedy Cup. And that's in two weeks. So if Navy can regroup, Come back and capture the Kennedy Cup. No one will remember who won the McMillan Cup in
1: 2022. So got to get the Kennedy Cup, John. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see what happens from there. We are going to go to break. When we come back, Keenan, Wags, and Chris Cervello are going to bring you a more detailed breakdown of what happened against Houston and how we turned frowns upside down against Temple next week. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports.
0: All right, Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. This weekend, Navy takes on Memphis at 3.30 p.m. at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium as they kick off their American Athletic Conference play. And if you can't make it to this weekend's game, no sweat. There are three more games in the month of October. So for football tickets, be sure to call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Don't miss any of the excitement in Annapolis this fall. And speaking of excitement, have you started thinking about basketball season yet? Navy men's and women's basketball season tickets are on sale now. Join us at Alumni Hall all season long as the Mids look to build off their exciting 2022 campaigns. In addition, this year, all season ticket holders will be entered to win an authentic Navy football Army-Navy game football jersey. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit navysports.com. Now back to the pod.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Navy Football Podcast. This is the Houston Postgame Report. I'm Bill Wagner with the Capital Gazette newspaper and the Baltimore Sun, longtime Navy beat writer, and I am joined by my co-host, Kenan Reynolds, former Navy great record-setting quarterback who played in the NFL as a wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens and the Seattle Seahawks. Eric Catani, our other host, is on dad duty and so we're giving him the night off. He's got to focus on the newborn baby tonight. Keenan, let's get right to it. Uh, Another disappointing result. Houston comes to Annapolis and plays like the Houston team that was picked to win the American Athletic Conference in the preseason. Quarterback Clayton Toon looked great, and he threw five touchdown passes that tied the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium record set way back in 1992 by Virginia quarterback Bobby Goodman. Nathaniel Tank Dell, the wide receiver, was as advertised NFL caliber. He was getting open all day, had a lot of big plays. Um, the offense, once again, was a stop start. There were some nice drives that stalled. Um, There was self-inflicted wounds. Ty Lavatai threw two interceptions. The first was just, well, they are both, frankly, terrible. The first uh, was way underthrown by maybe 15 yards and was an easy pick. Uh, And the second one should not have been thrown at all. The defender was between Ty and his intended receiver, should not have been thrown. And both of those interceptions were returned deep into Navy territory and led directly to touchdowns. And then special teams uh kicker daniel davies had a low kick that was blocked and he had another field goal attempt that was wide left so two missed field goals that's points that could have been on the board that aren't and then on the other side of special teams navy forced houston to settle for a field goal and on that field goal they got called for a uh, illegal formation. They covered up the center. You can't do that. That's basic elementary stuff. You can't be doing it. Um, so uh, that enabled Houston an automatic first down, and they scored a touchdown instead of field goal. That's another four-point swing. So there's 11 points here that were you know, exchanged uh, one way or the other. So I'll just go right to you. Uh, you watched the game. We were texting back and forth during the game. What were your thoughts on what you saw?
3: uh what were my thoughts it's it's kind of uh i don't mean to sound dramatic but it was demoralizing to watch you know it was like okay what do we what do we come on here and and talk about on sunday um you know i, I don't think there's like a there's really nothing special or unique to say we've been saying the same stuff week in and week out it's been the same problems week in and week out we talked about the defense <clears throat> not letting the ball get thrown over their heads. And they had three chunk plays uh, to start the game um, on that first drive, and they had no problem scoring. Um, And then, you know, that was kind of routine the rest of the day. Uh, Defensively, the scheme looked like we were trying to, you know, play coverage. But by doing that, Clayton Toon had all day to kind of sit back and pick his poison as far as what receiver he wanted to throw to. And, you know, when when you're back there and you're covering for four or five seconds – it's really, really hard to maintain, uh, maintain coverage and people are going to find holes, especially in, in zone coverage. And so the only option you have is you blitz, you play man, but we've seen that our guys are, you know, slightly undermatched when it comes to playing man against some of the receivers in this conference. So you, you, you put yourself at risk of 75 yard touchdown pass, especially with a receiver like Dale on the, on the, uh, on the edge and what he's been able to do over the last few years. Um, and like you said, he he showed up early. So Defensively, the thing that we said couldn't happen happened and it happened the entire game. Five touchdown passes, you know, it's gonna be hard to beat anybody giving that up. Um offensively, it's just like kind of more of the same, you know. Like I see little bits of improvement, then I just kind of see more of the same. Um and, and unfortunately, we've kind of dug ourselves into this hole now where we have to essentially, you know, win five out of the next six or four out of the next five to get have a chance to bowl out to get to a bowl. So and and these just happen to be the toughest part of our schedule. You know, we actually had a pretty good break early to start this season of, you know, all beatable teams. And now you're running in Central Florida, who's playing great Cincinnati, who's Cincinnati um, Notre Dame, who's Notre Dame. I mean, you don't really have a lot of easy, you know, gimme type of games. So I um, know obviously we got Temple coming in next week. And that's definitely a, a must win and a, a certainly a winnable game. But, you know, we put ourselves in this position where we're now entering the toughest stretch of the season where we don't have any breathing room or nothing, you know, to give.
2: Well, what you said about the defense was exactly right. And that's basically what coach Matalolo said after the game, it's pick your poison. If you blitz and rush Clayton too, and he's a really good runner and he showed several times during the game that he could escape the pocket and make things happen with his feet. So, you know, it's hard to blitz a guy like that, but like you said, you sit back in zone coverage and he's got all day to pick you apart. You cannot give a quarterback the caliber of Clayton Toon five, six seconds to find an open receiver because he's going to. Um, let's talk about Ty. You know, Coach Tololo said last week on his Monday presser that he thought Ty really grew up against SMU and that largely was because of the big rushing day and he was really happy that Ty started making teams respect his running ability. But, you know, sorry, Houston was a step backward. And, you know, I see signs. Uh, He had two great passes to Jaden Umbarger, two long completions to Jaden, one of which resulted in a touchdown, which was kind of at the end at garbage time when the game was already decided. But I know he can throw a good ball. But the fact of the matter is, he's not completing a very high percentage of passes. He was six of 13. He came into the game under 50% completion rate. And that that's where he was in this game. And it's just, you got to make things happen in the pass game when you drop back to throw. Now, granted, there are many times when he's under extreme pressure, it's a jailbreak and he doesn't have time to set his feet. That did happen a couple times against Houston. And then in terms of the run game, Ty did not factor in the run game. He finished with 30 yards net. Now there's some sack loss there, but he only had 43 yards gained. So uh, that's not good enough from your quarterback. And th- the overall running game just was not enough. 201 yards. That's not going to get it done. That's not Navy football. Uh, Daba Fafana was the only weapon. And frankly, the reality is, Daba got a lot done on the fullback trap play in the first half, but Houston adjusted and took that away in the second half. And the Navy offense stalled. And, you know, if they were losing 38 to 14. They scored a touchdown in basically on their last possession. So uh, to me, it was another offensive output that is subpar and not good enough to win in the AAC.
3: Yeah, you know, about tying the completion percentage, I think there's that's kind of a, a, a double, double-edged sword because, you know, I remember times where my completion percentage wasn't that great. But the, the difference is, um, I think, you have to produce in a running game. So, like, if if you're going to be off throwing the ball, um, you have to make up for it and be, be a threat with your legs. And we haven't seen, like, that consistent threat. We, had. we saw flashes last week um, with his performance against SMU, but that did not carry over for whatever reason. And that could be... You know, it could be the way he's played. He played this past week. It could be schematically. Um, It didn't look like they were playing a simple 6-1, like day one stuff, and it looked like they were slow playing him again. I think there was a couple of times I felt like he could have attacked the pitch key and really, you know, cut it up and got four to five yards because what was happening was they slow play and then everybody rallies to the pitch. And, you know, sometimes you get, you know, eight, nine, ten-yard chunk plays and sometimes you get two yards. So, um you know I would have liked to see him get be more aggressive running the ball uh or or at least running the triple uh against the look that they were that they were getting that was the first time that I've seen uh even front all year um and usually you know we we've had a lot of success against even fronts because you don't have you don't have a nose on, over your center so that kind of that really opens up the fullback and allows you to kind of run a more uh, traditional triple. It's, it's an easier time to run a triple, in my opinion, against an even front than it is an odd front because in an odd front, the, the read key is closer to the ball and he can play a lot more games um, than he can if he's like a four. Or usually, they line up in a five technique in the even front. So again, you know, I think for him turnovers that 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 that, that interception. Um, not really sure what happened there. Um, could have just been a duck. Those things happen, but like when you're in a game like that against Houston, right? You don't have time to turn the ball over. You don't have time to be down 14 nothing. I mean, it was 14 and nothing before I even like could realize what was happening and like get settled into the game. It's 14 nothing. Like now you're playing catch up the entire game, and your defense and your defense didn't show any signs of being able to slow them down. So those types of games, you have to have ball control. You have to have the ability to finish drives, take care of the football, and we just did not show that. Um, And that's kind of been a consistent theme this entire season. Taking care of the ball has been so-so. Finishing drives has been very lackluster. So this isn't anything new. We're just kind of seeing what we've seen all year. So, you know, we see flashes of good, but we see flashes of the same kind of underlying themes, game in and game out.
2: Well, it's interesting you brought that point up because i that's the number one thing that Coach Niamatololo talked about in his post-game presser, the entire focus of the pregame plan was start fast, start fast, start fast. That, that has been the key all season. Navy is consistently falling behind and having to play catch-up and that's not Navy football. Everything changes for Navy when it gets ahead early in a game and can play at its pace and forces the other team, you know, if you're dominating possession and the other team suddenly feels like, hey, we got to hurry up and get something done. That's the Navy football we're accustomed to seeing during the winning seasons was a Navy getting ahead, milking the clock and putting the pressure on the opponent to have to hurry up and score points. And that's just not happening. Um, now, I don't want to pick on Ty because there was a lot of blame to go around. Mikhail Haywood had a pre-snap penalty. He just jumped off sides. Uh, their offensive line on several occasions just got manhandled. But I will point out one other play that really disappointed me. And this is Ty has enough games under his belt that this should not be happening. And you and I both commented on this during the game. Fourth and three, and Navy calls a quarterback keep uh, basically running. You know He's going to have everyone blocking with him for him on the right-hand side. And for some reason, he just stopped dead in the backfield, stopped moving his feet, and decided to run left instead of right. And if you look at the replay, the, the, he would have easily gotten the first down. The blocking was there. They moved Houston off the ball. There was a hole on the right side where the play was designed to go. And I'm sorry, but at this point, with as many games as Ty has under his belt, those are mental mistakes that just could not happen. And you even said, you know, why, what is he doing? Just follow your blocks. I mean, should this type of stuff be happening anymore? This is elementary stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, without knowing like the play call, uh, you know, obviously it looked to me like there w- it was some sort of like keep because it looked like Dava was running and kicking out uh to the play side. He had all the momentum of the the play going right, and he could have definitely st- got his pads down and got that first down going right. I think during our in our group chat, somebody brought up that maybe he thought it was. Supposed like a hand, like I feel like there may have been miscommunication. I really want to give that benefit of the doubt of miscommunication, but without being in the huddle or knowing the play calls and knowing the film, you can only really speculate. And what it looked like from our perspective, to your point, Bill, was everybody was going right, played the Florida play was going right, and he stopped from going right to go back left. And I mean, not being he's not like super shifty, he's not a speed demon, so that's not something that I would ever tell him to do you know, that's not his strength. So he's playing outside of his strength, trying to do too much. And when you start trying to do too much or start playing outside of yourself, that's like obvious signs of like not doing your job and not playing within, you know, what you need to do. And I've been there. I've definitely made those types of mistakes. Um, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's just a mental error. So, you know, but going off the information we got, it looks to me like it was just a mental error, but like fourth and three, you know, driving the ball in plus territory, do you, you can't, you can't have those type of plays. Cause now you, you get that, you convert there, you have a chance to keep going and finishing the drive for some points. Um, but I mean, that was kind of the theme of the day. You know, we, we talked about it earlier on in special teams, you know, you cover the guy up on the shift and you take away, you get a four point swing goes from a field goal to a touchdown. Um, when you when you've held them on a the goal line and you you got a chance to get out with three, which makes, you know, their lead is rel- relatively manageable at that point. I can't remember the exact score, but like you got a chance to go back down and score and like be right in the thick of the game. But like, that's deflating to have a penalty, give up a first down and then give up a touchdown in the next place. So I think mental errors was kind of apparent throughout the entire game. And I think that was something that was apparent last week. So, um, you know, definitely have to think about like, you know, somebody in that locker room is there's a leader is going to have to step up and have a conversation internally as, as teams, as teammates and uh, you know, call that stuff out and be like, we can't win like this. We cannot win turning the ball over. we can't win with the penalties. We can't win with the mental errors and not doing our job and trying to ball. That's not Navy football. That's not who we are. Um, so somebody in that locker room is going to take that leadership and maybe they have, you know what I'm saying? And I, I'm hoping that they have, you know, knowing the type of kids that we, that we have in that program. So um, certainly disappointing, it's on them. They got to make that decision. They got to show up. They got to play.
2: Well, one last topic before we close it out. And I wrote about this a very odd situation. Former Navy quarterback, Perry Olson, who he was the backup quarterback in 2019 when Malcolm ran wild and had the great season. Um, he didn't, you know, he only played mop up duty. But in the end, he was the backup quarterback. He was number two. And then the following year, 2020, Perry was atop the depth chart going into August training camp. And he was overtaken by Dalen Morris. Uh, Coach Jasper felt that Dalen Morris outperformed Perry, that Perry did not step up and perform at the level that he expected a starter to do. And then uh, so Dalen Morris started the season opener against BYU. And we all know how that went 55 to 3. He actually Perry Olson came in in the second half. Neither of them played well, but it was it wasn't the quarterback's fault that day. That we all know the situation there, of maybe not having contact practices going into the opener of 2020. But the bottom line is, five, four days after the season opener against BYU, Perry Olson transferred. He originally turned up at North Alabama. He never even played at North Alabama. He transferred again to North East Oklahoma A and M. And guess what? Perry Olson showed up at Houston as a linebacker. However, Perry Olson ran the scout team offense this past week to give Navy to give Houston's defense a look at Navy. And I'm sure if he played two years and he was the backup quarterback, and then you know got starter reps, he got hit. He he knows how to run the offense. I would presume, and um, and then but worse. Was that he became defensive consultant and was telling the coaching staff, if Navy does this, they'll if you if we defend them this way, they'll counter to this. He basically was giving away all of Navy secrets. And I understand he's not at Navy anymore; he's at Houston, so that's the that's who he plays for. But he kind of was like a, a Benedict Arnold traitor type. Situation, And I, I wrote about it. And I can tell you, Keenan, on the very first possession for Houston, I sit right next to the opposing coaching booth in the press box. And on like the second play, Navy ran trap triple option. And the coach that Houston defensive coach said, that's exactly what Perry told us they would go to. So, and apparently he was, so they were running the trap effectively and Houston slanted the defensive line and Perry told the coaching staff, if you slant the defensive line, here is how Navy will respond. They'll run the midline. So what do you think of a former Navy football player, you know, doing this type of stuff? But I understand he plays at Houston now, but it almost is like he's at Houston for one reason to help them beat Navy.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, I give it no like thought if I'm like, literally, I don't think he had any sort of like effect on how the game went for us. Uh, They, he may have told him like one adjustment, but I mean, if he was like playing like Malcolm and then went and did that, then maybe I would give him some props. But I mean, like I said, you know, that's just part of the game. They could watch film and figure that out. I mean, if you watch film enough, you could you can make that determination. And so, you know, I think it's just more of a he he probably was happy that, you know, he was there and he felt like he helped and they beat us, but you know, I, I don't think that his contributions make that big of a difference um but I know it's a good story to to write about, but for me yeah, I don't that's i, don't. What I was gonna
2: say you're probably right, but it was still a great story. <laughs>
3: But uh, but as a player, like that, that's not something that would like rub me the wrong way. I honestly wouldn't care. Well, next up is Temple, and uh, this is a team
2: dwelling at the bottom of the American Athletic Conference standings. It's Senior Day in Annapolis. Uh, period. End of story. You got to win this game. Temple's the team you need to beat. Senior Day is a game you need to win. Send the seniors out the right way. We'll worry about Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Central Florida down the road. For now, you got to beat Temple. So for Kenan Reynolds, Eric Catani, and our producer, Chris Cervello, I'm Bill Wagner. We'll talk to you later this week when we do the Temple preview.
0: The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter play-by-play calls from the navy radio network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments